we call it PTSI here. I know that's a term that's not really out there, but post-traumatic stress disorder, I kind of shy away from that because it's not a disorder. We weren't born with it. It's an injury. So we call it PTSI here, post-traumatic stress injury, traumatic brain injury, and military sexual trauma, which I wasn't educated on that either until I started here at Patriot Canines. Uh, I never realized how bad it is. Never realized that there's that many people affected by it, but it was an eye opener and it's a huge issue and it's, it's PTSI. It's the worst form of PTSI. Welcome to the Stigma Free Vet Zone podcast. Our mission is to help veterans and their family members transition from military to civilian life and culture. As best we can, we avoid stigmatizing names and terms. We feature conversations with those who have encountered unexpected reactions in their journey, including nightmares, rage, and isolation. Participants in our segments share experiences that make them uniquely qualified to join the quest to identify, understand, and resolve these enormous life challenges. Stigma-Free Vet Zone is brought to you by the Orban Foundation for Veterans. Learn more by visiting the Veterans.org and donations are always welcome at the Veterans.org slash donate. Thank you for embarking on this educational journey with the Stigma-Free Vet Zone podcast. Here's today's segment. After our service time, well, even during our service time for that matter, everybody needs somebody to turn to, somebody to talk to, somebody to be with them. Sometimes that's not a human being. And today our guest is Lonnie Rethaber with Patriot Canines based out of Wausau. I'm Scott Schultz. How are you doing today, Lonnie? Good, Scott. How are you? Great. And uh, we might even hear a dog in the background off and on, so we can live with that, huh? Yeah. (laughs) The reason (laughs) I say a dog, if you picked it up, the Patriot Canine Organization. It's a nonprofit organization based in Wausau, Wisconsin. Lonnie and his group trains dogs, matches dogs. Well, you guys don't actually totally train them. You'll tell us all about that and matches dogs up with veterans. First, before we get into it, Lonnie, you're a veteran yourself. You've worn a couple of different uniforms. Can you tell us about that experience? Yeah, I went in the the Marine Corps when I was 17 years old. I wanted to be a dog trainer or dog handler in in the Marine Corps, but Back then, you had to be 19 years old to do that, and I wasn't able to do that. So my recruiter talked me into going open contract, and I went into motor transport. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way that goes, unfortunately, huh? So, so you you didn't get a chance during your Marine Corps time when you got off of active duty. You spent some reserve time. Yes, I spent some reserve time, and then I ended up going into the Wisconsin Army National Guard. And I cross-trained as a Cav Scout. And that still isn't a dog handler, is it? <laughs> still not a dog handler. No. <laughs> but you did get involved with, with some dog training. Uh, what was that all about? Well, I, I always had that. I always grew up with dogs. I've always had dogs in my my life. I've had hunting dogs and all that stuff. And 
I still had that want to have like that German Shepherd or Malinois or Doberman type of dog and learn how to do all the bite work and all that stuff. So I started getting into the sport of Schutzhund, which is IPO or IGP. Um, it's changed names throughout the years, but bottom line, it's Schutzhund, which is a German Shepherd sport. Other dog breeds do it too, but it's a German Shepherd sport, which has protection work, obedience, and tracking involved. And it's a competition sport. I got, I got into that because it fulfilled that need I, I had for training dogs. Um, I've been doing that for 15 years now. I've had five or six different dogs in that sport at this time filled my need for training dogs and handling dogs you fulfilled the need but you also along the way saw that veterans need a need fulfilled canines as you see it and as a lot of people see it can help some veterans who have some stressful times behind them what did you see with that well, I know I knew what the my first dog Max, my first German Shepherd, I should say, it was my first dog, but my first German Shepherd um, really helped me do some things. I really didn't realize I had any issues going on, and I guess everybody says I have PTS, but I never have been diagnosed with that. But mm-hmm. I had issues. I didn't like being around people. I didn't like going out in public. Um, I wanted to stay home. If I was done with work, I wanted to stay home. I didn't want to do anything. But once I got Max, I started realizing that hey. I have this dog with me. He's kind of a social lubricant, so to speak. He allowed me to go out and do things. And if I couldn't take my dog, I didn't go. And one of my uh, uh, veteran buddies told me, he goes, you know, he sent me a link to uh, an organization in Ohio, I think it was at the time. This is going back 10 years ago um, or more. And he's like, you should start training dogs for veterans. And I'm like, I don't know nothing about that. Yeah, (laughs) I know I train a dog how to bite somebody. (laughs) I don't know how to train a dog to do anything else and he's like well max is doing that for you right now what did you teach him to do you know but through my career i was was still in transportation industry i was operations manager of a central wisconsin trucking company which is veteran owned and operated and every year we supported a veterans organization over christmas we did a fundraiser through the company and we donate that whatever we raised to that organization Mm -hmm. and one year we picked patriot canines of wisconsin I fell in love with the organization. I did not start this organization. You know, we just did a fundraiser for them. Yep. I got to meet everybody and learn what they, what Patriot Canines did. And I wanted to volunteer. And that's just what I did. I started as a volunteer here. You mentioned what the dog did for you and what your, your friend said could be done for veterans. And that you said you, you didn't know what the hell, you know, how that works. And that's kind of a, I I run into that uh, with working with veterans to get them writing that sometimes you kind of have that fear in you that you don't know, but you're doing it and it's making some people feel better and helping some people. Yeah. I know how to do it now, but you know, five years ago, I didn't, didn't know. Um, I know how to train dogs. I could, you know, I, I, to train a dog and the, the fundamentals of training a dog are, are across the board for whether it's a hunting dog or, or a protection dog or, or, you know, whatever it is you're doing, you know, there's different ways of training dogs and everybody has their technique. And I can, I'm considered, a, I consider myself a modern balanced trainer. I don't, I'm not pure positive and I'm, but I'm a modern balanced trainer. Um, but most of our service dogs are trained pure positive because there, there's no need to do anything else with them. But I started learning that the skills that these dogs had and what they could do for veterans. I started working with the veterans one-on-one 
Um, I really started here as a volunteer helping with obedience stuff. You know, there's a couple dogs that were a little bit unruly, and I started doing obedience. I didn't know how to train the tasks that the dogs did for the veteran. I just did the obedience, made sure the dog knew how to heal right, sit down, recall, lay down, just be obedient, pay attention to the handler. Then I started learning and learning more and taking classes and going to other parts of the country and watching other organizations. Canine Partners for Patriots in Florida is my mentor. They've helped me tremendously in my training. I've taken a lot of classes and courses, and I've trained 60-some service dogs myself now. So now I know what I'm doing. I'm training dogs. So um, all our dogs are specifically psychiatric service dogs, so veterans suffering from PTS. We call it PTSI here. I know that's a term that's not really out there, but post-traumatic stress disorder I kind of shy away from that because it's not a disorder. We weren't born with it. It's an injury. So we call it PTSI here, post-traumatic stress injury, traumatic brain injury, and military sexual trauma, which I wasn't educated on that either until I started here at Patriot Canines. Uh, I never realized how bad it is. Never realized that there's that many people affected by it. But it was an eye-opener, and it's a huge issue, and it's it's PTSI. It's the worst form of PTSI. And there's a lot of studies proving that. So, But that's what we do here, psychiatric service dogs. And specifically, our dogs are taught to alert their veteran to whatever their their specific issue is, whether it's anger, fear, disassociation, um, whatever, whatever their trigger is that gives them their anxiety that's caused from that PTSI. Um, we teach the dog to alert to that and how that happened. And it's a nose nudge or it can be escalated. Some people have self-harm issues. So the dog will escalate that to break up the self-harm. And then we teach the dog how to do deep pressure therapy and body blocking. Um, we do nightmare interruption, medication reminders, how to turn a light on. I've done home clearing, how to teach a dog how to clear a house for somebody. And that was one of my issues. I never liked going into a dark house at night. Yeah, everybody can say you can turn the light on. Yeah, that sounds great, you know. But I think there's a lot of people that relate to that issue. But I had a protection dog trained to clear a house for me, and that's what helped me overcome that hurdle. I don't have that issue anymore. But we've done all sorts of things like that with with the dogs for our veterans here. So each dog is task-trained with whatever that individual's need is. We visited Patriot Canines uh, headquarters there in Wausau a little bit ago. I was surprised to find, A, not a lot of dogs on the ground right there, and B, not a lot of Patriot Canine volunteers and handlers. And you explained to me one of the reasons for that is that those dogs are with the veteran that they're being matched with, and it's kind of tasked on the veteran to do a lot of that training directly. Yes, we. there's two different models of training service dogs. There's the national model, which is what most people think all dogs are trained, which the dog's trained in a facility by trainers, mm-hmm. and then it's given to a veteran in need, and see you later, here you go, right? right. Um, we use we use the community model, which is training the, the veteran and the dog together. Right. Um, it's a 30-week course. Now, there's organizations that do that across the country. We are one of them, but I call our, our we're kind of a hybrid. And why I call it a hybrid, because we're a little bit of both of those ways, because some of, some of our dogs, or half of them, are started in the prison. We have a prison program in Wisconsin State Correction, and those dogs, we get an eight-week-old puppy, it goes in that prison, it's there until it's a year old, and it, and it has to meet certain criteria before we 
find a veteran for that dog. Then we match that dog to a veteran and they go through another 30 weeks of training. So it's kind of a little bit of both of those things. A lot of other organizations don't like that we're doing it that way, but that's the way it works for us. And that's what we're going to continue to do. You have pictures around your walls and your offices there of dogs that have been matched with veterans. Those pictures are from a wide area. You've, you've placed dogs around a, a wide, wide area. Yes, we've had 81 service dog graduates since the start. This organization was founded by Sarah Tewitt and Candy Wylock in 2017. The first graduating class, I believe, was five people graduated in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, to date, we've got, had 81 graduates. So people think, well, we're about to hit our sixth year, but it takes almost two years of training per dog. So it, you know, a year and a half to two years. So it, it's a time, it's a time consuming thing. And right now our cost per dog is $24,000 per dog, which people's jaw drop when they hear that. But right. if you would look at all the time and effort spent on each individual dog, you would understand why that the cost is there. 81 dogs. And yes, throughout the whole state of Wisconsin, we don't just serve central Wisconsin. We serve any veteran in need that meets our criteria that can participate in that 30-week course. To date, we've had other states, Minnesota, Iowa, and Boston, Massachusetts is the the record holder right now. That veteran just relocated here for for the time and and went through our course. A lot of other organizations in the country have six six year, five year, four year waiting lists. We're pretty much six month waiting list right now, but that that's changed. That right now that's what it is. But in, a year ago or two years ago, we had almost a year waiting list, but we're a lot shorter. Talk about the criteria. What are some of the criteria that uh, that you use? The criteria is consistently being raised. Um, what we would consider a qualifying veteran or dog four years ago is no longer the case. We we have received federal money in the past for, for grants, federal grants from the Department of Defense, and they have some criteria. And we're currently hoping for a, some more of that money, and the criteria is consistently being raised. Plus, We've grown and learned things that we should and shouldn't do, just like any business or organization would do. And so our personal criteria is raised. But currently what a veteran needs to have is an honorable discharge. They would need a letter of diagnosis from a physician. Um, And that doesn't have to be from the VA. It can Mm -hmm. be from a physician stating that they have one of those three, PTSI, TBI, or MST, that they're physically and mentally capable of taking care of and training and walking up to one mile, or doesn't necessarily have to be walking, but we have had people with scooters and wheelchairs, which is fine, but they have to be able to move at least one mile. No other dogs in a house. That's one huge one that disqualifies a lot of veterans. And we didn't used to have that one, but so, several of our dogs were ruined um, by other dogs in the house. And I mean, I can get into training techniques if you want and reasonings why, but Bottom line is we don't allow that anymore, and that disqualifies a lot of people. Cats? Cats are okay, but other dogs, because it's it's a, a lot of reasons why that is. Yeah. But most of the time, I always say an older dog will teach a younger dog either good habits or bad habits. And most pet dogs are not trained like our dogs are. So they start to become a pet, and a lot of the skills that we've developed in there start to fade. Or don't persist with the, with the veteran for very long and that's why we don't have that they have to have had a stable home life for six months 
they have to be post any clinical being being like at the VA inpatient type things. They have to be post six months past that. And with the doctor stating that they they're showing signs of recovery, we have to have a letter from any adults in the household that they're okay with having a service dog. It, it just a lot of things like that. If there's children in the house, we do bite training with the whole family, bite prevention training, I should say. Right, right. It's just this a lot of things like that, <laughs> and the list keeps go, growing. To be quite honest, and it's it's starting to cause some veterans to be not qualified that I would like to have in the program, but it's the way the industry is going. We talked about criteria for the veteran. When I picture a service dog, it's maybe, I don't know, a German Shepherd or something like that. You guys have dogs of a lot of different breeds, but still you have criteria for those dogs and how they're bred. Yeah, the organization started off using rescue dogs. Um, when I came on board, I mean, I, I like the idea. The idea sounds great. And everybody thinks that, hey, you're you're getting rescue dogs, you're matching with veterans, because there's a lot of rescue dogs out there and we all know it, right? But ultimately, most rescue dogs have some type of PTSI themselves, where we don't know the true background of that dog. Most of our mixed breeds and have genetic issues. So we kind of got away from that. We still do it once in a while because some of the rescues that we do work with know what our criteria is. So when they do get a dog matching it, they let us know. So we'd always take a rescue dog if it meets our criteria. Yeah. Um, but one of the big things right now disqualifying is most rescue dogs are Lyme's positive in the world, and we can't have that either. So that's one of the disqualifying things. You can't have be Lyme positive, and so that's one thing too. But yeah, right now we're, we've leaned towards purpose-bred breeders. That's breeders that are breeding dogs specifically for service dog work, just like somebody would breed a lab to be a hunter or somebody a pointer to hunt or German Shepherds to be a police dog. There's people out there breeding dogs to be service dogs. And the genetics are there to do that work. They're not super high drive. They like to be with with people. They're social. They're smart, but they don't need to have a lot of exercise because being a service dog is a lot of hurry up and waiting, sitting around, (laughs) you know, and watching their person, to be quite honest. So, yeah, that's what we're doing now. Um, a lot of the criteria is we do a genetic DNA test to make sure they're not predispositioned for any possible diseases that are genetic diseases. Or the hips and elbows have to be checked for hip dysplasia and elbow dysplasia. We do pen hip right now, or if the dog's old enough, we'll do OFA. We have to do a spine x-ray to make sure there's no spine issues with the dog. Parents have to have those tests done as well to make sure that there's that criteria is is also being raised, but it makes a lot of sense because I want to give a good quality dog to a veteran that's going to last them for for at least 10 years, right? Yeah. Um, I don't want to give a dog that's going to be sick in two years and now it's a financial burden for that veteran. Not only a financial burden, but gosh, you fall in love with that critter. Yep, yep exactly. Something I noticed uh, in your barn the other day, Lonnie, it was a group session that we had there. Not a lot of people, but there were uh, you know people in the in the room, and I think everyone who was there for the first time, me included, you can almost feel your blood pressure go down when that dog sits beside you. Yeah. Uh, what what's that about? How does that? Why does that happen to us? I don't know what the scientific reason for that specific thing is, but it's scientifically proven that that does have an effect on us. And I always tell people that 
you got to look at how long humans have been with dogs. You know, I always said 20,000 years, but I just read a study that they're thinking it's more like 40,000 years, so double what I always thought. But for that many years we've been with dogs, and there's scientific data now proving that dogs are genetically – they they understand our facial expressions. It's in their DNA to understand if we're mad, if we're sad, if we're happy. And I just think that dogs, out of all the animals in the world, just think about this, not, not even more so than cats, but they are our true best friend. I mean, mm-hmm. what, other, what other animal is bonded with us that way? And if you really sit, I think about stuff like this quite a bit, honestly, because I work with dogs every day, right, but right. it's just amazing. The more and more you dig into dogs, the more you find out that they are right. As I, one of the big yeah. things I teach our veterans is always trust your dog. Yeah. And I see, and I train pet dogs too. And most of the issues that people are having are environmental or something that they're causing. The dog has been trying to tell you what to do, but right. you haven't been listening to it, you know? And yeah. if people just start to listen to their dogs a little bit more, I think you get along with them a little bit better because <laughs> they're <laughs> smart. They really know what we're, they really know what we're going through. You know, yeah. I, they just do. You I think it's just genetic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You refer to that to a pet too, and uh, you know even if somebody doesn't qualify for your program, if I wouldn't qualify for your program, I I suspect you might say, "Hey Schultz, go get yourself a dog and and have it trained with you," uh, and and just we we have, don't we don't train pet dogs here at Patriot right, Canine right. Um, or companion dogs. It's just right. psychiatric service dogs only. But I, I do train outside of Patriot Canines as well for people and. We, I've helped veterans. I, I have veterans call me up and say, I don't need a service dog, but I have this dog. Can you give me some pointers and stuff like that? And absolutely. Yeah. I Now, I don't want to have a whole bunch of people calling me, and that's all <laughs> I'm doing all day. But I have done that for people and brought them in here and worked with them a few times just to get through some issues. I, you know, I just had a gentleman, former Army Ranger, come in here two weeks ago, and he had a couple labs that he was having problems with and you know helped him out with that. You know, yeah. Just it's simple things for me, but for them, it's they don't understand it. So, yeah, yeah, I do that. <laughs> but again, I don't want hundreds, yeah. hundreds, hundreds of people. Is I don't have time to do that. <laughs> there are trainers out there to help you. Yep. Um, yep. You mentioned twenty four thousand dollars a dog to train. That's in my world, at least. That's that's a bunch of money. How how do you raise money, and what do people have to do to get money to you? So we, we have a couple different ways. Old-fashioned checks are always welcome. And we do have a couple links on our website for ways to donate electronically through PayPal. And I believe it's called Nonprofit Core. Also, we do a lot of fundraisers. We, we do events almost every weekend. I think in the last two weeks, we've done six events. I'm doing another event on Saturday. So we're just kind of all over the state. We I was in Kenosha on Saturday. We were in Mosinee on Sunday. Saturday, this coming Saturday, I'll be in Deerbrook, Wisconsin. We've done events in Ashland, Milwaukee, just everywhere. We've done events, right? And yeah. yeah. Also, we we have a grant writing team. I mean, that's yeah. honestly the the bread and butter of an organization like this. With the costs we have, is writing is writing grants, and we've had biz, local businesses and Local or organizations here really keep us alive. I mean, I don't know if you want me to plug anybody, but 
There's sure. there's organizations in this in this town in this central Wisconsin that really donate to nonprofits and help nonprofits yeah. stay alive. And without them, to, we wouldn't be here. If you want to well, mention Green, somebody, they deserve it. Yeah, the BA and Esther Greenheck Foundation has always been there for us. Um, Sonatag Foundation has always been there for us. Um, Wausau Builders Association has always been there for us. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple of different Harley rides that yearly Harley rides that donate to us and other places too. I mean, it's just things like that, that every year we get a donation from those people and that's our bread and butter right there. And we, we've written grants for a lot of different government grants and private grants as well. We have a whole, we have a grant writing team actually, and they're all volunteers. We don't pay anybody to do that for us. It's all volunteer. Some of them spend, when we're writing big grants, spend, you know, 40 to 60 hours a week doing that because there's a lot of work that goes into some of those without them we wouldn't be here too i mean it's this is not lonnie rethaber program this is a a team (laughs) (laughs) you said it's not the lonnie rethaber program but you are the executive director now yes Uh, that's got to be a lot of non-dog training work for you yeah i came here to because i like dogs but yeah, that's more and more that um, as we grow and get bigger, I'm more and more getting out of training with the veterans. I try to get into the classes as much as I can, but there's weeks that I don't get to attend classes. But yeah, I, I, I came here, I was, started as a volunteer, um, almost a year as a volunteer. And at that time, everybody was a volunteer. There wasn't any paid staff. And it just got, kept getting bigger and bigger and we got a couple honestly we got a couple bad google reviews because nobody was here to answer the phone during the day and they're like nobody's even answering the phone and i'm like well that's because we're volunteers and when there isn't a class going on at that time there wasn't anybody here right but sarah was looking first to have a full-time employee and i just jokingly said oh, i'd do that and sure. she's like you would and i'm like wow not, not really you know <laughs> but yeah, a couple of weeks later, she called me. She goes, I'm really serious, Lonnie. What would it take for have you come over here? And I'm like, I was working at the company I was at for 13 years. I'm like, that ah, don't know. You know, I, I liked my job. And, but I did make that move. I made that yeah. choice because I'm a veteran. I love dogs. And I, I lost two friends to veteran suicide. And I really believe, and I always told myself, if there's any way I could help other veterans to not ever go down that road i would do it and i had to be true to myself and i talked to the owner of my company and i was like this is what's going on and i say i really don't know what to do and he goes lonnie you already made your decision just go do it he goes you'd be good at it so i came over here as a program development manager i did that for a year and a half i was training dogs too learning how to train service dogs and then sarah had some health issues and had to step away from from the organization and the board wanted me in as the executive director. I actually turned to Don. I said I did not want it because I knew it would take me away from being with the veteran and that and the dog. And that's really why right. I want to do. It. But somebody has to do this work too to keep an organization going. So I ultimately did it. Right. It's a and long you, story, but that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> and full full disclosure, the reason that we were at your house or at your facility uh, a little bit ago. It was with the High Ground Veterans Memorial Project. It was a suicide prevention program. You also reach out to other organizations because it's it's a real thing, and there's yes. a need. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I. 
so many organizations want to hide everything they do and keep all their little secrets and all that. I, I don't because I can't help every veteran. And if I can help somebody else help veterans, I'm going to do it. Or if I, well, like you guys at the high ground, if I can assist you guys in your mission, because ultimately it's all serving our brothers and sisters. And that's really, truly who I am. I really want to serve us because I was alone for so many years and I didn't even realize how alone I was. And actually this organization has been therapeutic to me as I've learned a lot about myself here. Yeah, I did. That's just what I want to do. I, I, whoever it takes to have to stay up late with or do this with or spend weekends with or whatever it is, you know, I'll do it. I haven't had a day off and I think we just counted. It was been almost six weeks since I've had a full day off. And, and I think to myself, you know, I can have my old jobs. You know what I mean? It yeah, goes through yeah. your mind, but ultimately, I know how many people have thanked me. Now, all the dogs have changed their life, and that's worth it. If I can just do that for one person, it's worth six weeks of work for sure, or more. Right? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Your website, Lonnie, is Patriot K. The letter K, number nine S dot org. Patriot K nines dot org. Dot org. Yep. yep. And uh, as you said, you have donation links there. Or do you want yeah. to throw your address out there, Lonnie? Uh, yeah, so yeah, our, people can our send address, you one of... Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Our address is 7333 Stewart Avenue. That's Wausau, W-A-U-S-A-U, Wisconsin, 54401. And or that... if you'd like to give us a call and find out how you can donate or what your options are, you can call us at 715-997-7189. Well... Thanks for visiting with us, Lonnie, and we hope to touch bases with you again one of these days. Sounds good, Scott. Thanks for having me. Hope I answered your questions. (laughs) (laughs) You sure did. That's Lonnie Rathaber, Executive Director of Patriot Canines of Wisconsin. And as always here at Stigma Free Vet Zone, I'm going to remind you that if you find yourself in any mental crisis, pick up that telephone right now and dial 988-PROMPT-1. Let's uh, take care of ourselves out there. Again, Lonnie Rathaber, Executive Director of Patriot Canines of Wisconsin out of Wausau. I'm Scott Schultz. Thank you for listening to the Stigma-Free Vet Zone podcast. Your feedback is welcomed and encouraged. You'll find contact information on our webpage, OrbanFoundationForVeterans.org. While you're there, please consider making a contribution. Donations help us continue to bring greater hope, understanding, and resolution on issues of civilian readjustment for all military veterans and families. Anyone who donates to the podcast will receive a free copy of the book, Sold Out, Conquering the Experiences of War by Michael Orban. Thanks for joining us, and please tune in again.